Well, we are just anticipating a, a good evening. Yeah. Our heart as Legacy City Church is to facilitate an environment every Sunday or Wednesday or whatever night we have a meeting here. Um, we want to facilitate an atmosphere where the presence of God can just come. Um, I won't preach before we worship and maybe preach again, but my, my quick message would be that the scripture says that when we worship God, you know, in the place of worship, his presence comes. Psalm 22 says that the Lord, the, the presence of God inhabits, he inhabits the praises of his people. Different translations say it differently. Some translations say the Lord is enthroned on the praises of his people. So as we prepare tonight to worship, think of that as your worship, as, as the, the prayers or the words that you want to say to God that are in your heart come out of your mouth, whether that's through singing it with a melody or just speaking it out, declaring it. Your, your worship and your praise to God becomes like a throne for him to come and rest on. He inhabits the praises of his people. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. Another scripture, and I can never remember the address, um, and I might look it up sometime soon here, but it says, uh, sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. That's in the Psalms somewhere. And in that one, if you look at the different versions of that, where it says to extol him who rides on the clouds, it also says in some versions, cast up, cast up a highway. So it says, sing to God, cast up a highway to him who rides on the clouds, Yahweh, or the cloud rider. Interesting scriptures that kind of give us this picture that our worship and our praise just is kind of like rolling out the red carpet for the king, just to, maybe it's a purple carpet because he's a king, rolls out the carpet, the royal carpet for the presence of God just to come in on. He's our guest of honor. He is the king. That, that comes into the room. And so we just want to enjoy our privilege as sons and daughters of God, those who have been brought into the family of God, adopted into his kingdom, adopted into his family. We, we want to have that, we want to enjoy that privilege of just letting our worship, our praise, our thanksgiving roll out before him and anticipating the, the fact that the scripture says he will come, that he will rest on our, our worship. So we're going to do that tonight. That's our main heartbeat, right, Tammy? Yeah. Our main heartbeat of this church is just to facilitate that atmosphere. And so we, we, we not only hope, but we, we believe and trust that you will sense the presence of God as we begin to worship. Even now, we just want to welcome his presence. You know, we just want to turn our, our heart, our spirit, person on the inside of your body. We just want to aim aim your heart, your, your spirit towards him, and we just want to acknowledge him. We just acknowledge you in this place, Lord. And even in acknowledging him, you're thinking, okay, is that worship going to start? Well, no, because I have a couple announcements. <laughs> we have Wednesday night prayer and worship. So we have a Wednesday night gathering. We call it a, a Wednesday night service. Um, these guys came and checked us out a couple, well, uh, once for you and twice for you, Christian, and um, that would be kind of a risky night for you to come in because it's a little bit different than a Sunday. But our main priority on a Wednesday night is to worship and then go into intercession, go into um, soaking prayer, spontaneous prayer, declarations, whatever we feel like the presence of God wants to lead us into. And we keep that right around an hour and a half. And by 8.30, we usually have things buttoned down. So... You guys are welcome to come on a Wednesday night if you're free and you want to join us for that. It's a little bit more casual and laid back. Not that this isn't, but um, <laughs> other than that, Friday nights, we have been going through a series of training and equipping believers, that's us, to know how to pray for the sick. And it goes a little bit beyond just praying for someone who's got a cold or sickness, um, but this is what what we've been covering. So in the class, this week is session eight. We have eight, nine, 10, 11. So four more sessions. Anyone is, is welcome to come join us, even for the last four or just one. 
or you can start from the beginning with us and, and make it all the way to the end, whatever. There's no commitment that's required, but we welcome anyone to come. And this week, um, the focus is the power of your testimony. The power of your testimony. And the takeaway that I just threw up there, that sounds weird when I say that. I didn't throw it up, but I popped that up there. The takeaway is the people of God must arm themselves with stories that work against the spirit of the age. Spreading testimonies counteracts hopelessness, and it raises people's expectations of what, not goad, that was a typo, sorry. It, it raises expectations of what God can do. So that's just a snippet of what we're going to cover this week. No, it's not goad. I don't know what goad is, so you just have to forgive me for my quick typing there. But the class purpose was to understand your authority as a Christian, to do the same things that Jesus did. Jesus said in John 14, the works I do, so you shall do. And he said, even greater works than these, because I am going to go to the Father. And we know when Jesus went to the Father, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and the Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us to do ministry. As all believers, all of us being called into that fun and that activity of ministering the power of God. So understanding your authority, creating an atmosphere of faith, that's this week, receiving words of knowledge, we have yet to come into that part of the class, that's going to be fun, well we talked about it a little bit, and then implementing the five-step model of healing prayer, which we have yet to get to. You're all welcome to come, Friday night, seven o'clock. All right, so if I could encourage everyone to stand and we are going to just prepare our hearts for worship <sighs> I feel like I've just preached so maybe Tammy should just welcome the presence of God <laughs> Thank you, Lord. yes father we do welcome your presence we just say let your holy fire fall tonight we lay everything before you. We say invade us, invade our space tonight. You are so welcome here. It's such an honor to worship you. We just want to be in your presence tonight. Don't stop, guys. Don't stop worshiping. Let's just wait on the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we acknowledge your presence in this room tonight. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We just want you, Lord. 
we want you for every person in this room. We just want you. If nothing else, God, we just want more of you. perfect father perfect father perfect daddy your word tells us about you Lord that every good every good and perfect gift comes down it just comes down you let it down you drop it down you pour it out every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. You're the Father. You're our Father of heavenly lights. You're the God of the angel armies, the host of heaven. You don't change like shifting shadows. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. And you give good gifts to your children, good gifts to your sons and daughters. So tonight, Lord, we just, we want that gift. If we could put in a request, we want that gift to be you. Holy one, we desire you above all. You're the gift, Lord. You're the treasure we long for. You're the one. You're the one I want, God. I want you, Lord. We want you. Not just now in this meeting. We want you to be with us, in us, on us, engulfing us, saturating us, baptizing us, immersing us in your goodness and in your love and in your fire and in your passion and your holiness. We want to stand apart. We want to be marked by you. If you're one in the room tonight that wants to be marked, just tell him, mark me tonight. Mark me, God. Rest on us, Lord. This isn't about religious activities. This is about a relationship with you that goes beyond this meeting. hear your voice. I want to know your word. I want to fall in love with you all over again. I want to follow your word. I want to hear you and obey you. I want to be led by you, Holy One. Lead us, Jesus, lead us on. Lead us forward. Right now, we just say yesterday is gone. Yesterday is over, Lord. We turn the page on the past. And right now, here and now, we we look at you, we look towards you, we gaze upon you, we fix our eyes upon you, King Jesus. And we say, King Jesus, lead us on, lead us forward. Lead us forward, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I felt like the Lord is just washing over us tonight. I was getting a picture of this is kind of funny but it was getting a picture of the inside of a washer a, a, not a clothes washer a dishwasher and just seeing that water just splash all over upwards downwards side to side holy spirit you're here and you've been washing over us thank you Thank you that you love us enough to, you don't wait for the invitation. You just wash because when you're in the room, you just splash all over us. You can't help yourself. You just want your presence to, to wash over, brushing off the, the debris and the dust and the weariness and the hopelessness and the depression. You make all things new. We just declare tonight, God, you make all things new. You are the one. You're the way maker. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. The 
steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His faithfulness never comes to an end. His mercies are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you, God. We'll hold fast to your goodness tonight, Lord. Titus chapter 3 says in the Passion Translation, when the extraordinary compassion of God our Savior, it's, it's not ordinary, it's extraordinary. When the extraordinary compassion, like a father has compassion on his children, the extraordinary compassion of God, our Savior, and his overpowering love suddenly appeared in person. Jesus, as the brightness of a dawning day, he came to save us, not because of any virtuous deed, that we have done. Thank you, Lord. We can just drop it all now. But only because of his extravagant mercy. Extravagant mercy. He saved us, resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth. We are made completely new by the Holy Spirit, whom he splashed over us richly by Jesus, the Messiah, our life giver. You want life tonight? Jesus is your life giver. You want strength? He's got joy to strengthen you with. He's your strength. The Lord is my strength and my song. He is everything, everything, everything. I don't want to shift around too fast, guys. I'm just like, I feel like the Lord's flowing in a direction right now. says that from the throne of God, and it's in Revelation chapter 22, the throne of God in the temple of God in heaven right now, it's a real place, it's a real destination. It's a heavenly realm. And from the throne of God, there is a river of life that goes from it, flowing out of the temple, out from the throne, and it goes and it brings life and healing. And Jesus said that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have received. If you have received him, okay, the Bible does say if you have not received him, then he's not in you. Romans 8 says that if you don't have the spirit of Jesus living in you, then you don't belong to him. So. That's a good place to start right now. If you're not sure, say, Jesus, I want you to come and be the king of my life. I want you to come take up residence right here inside of me. I want to receive what you did on the cross, your payment, your blood, your offering of your body for me to take away my sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and seal me and live in me and make me a new person. If that's if you're there then just ask him say come in now lord i surrender my life and come in and when he comes in and he lives in every one of us who have received him he says that you are a temple of the holy spirit whom you have received you are not your own but you belong to him who died for you who paid for you you belong to him you've been purchased just like when we used to collect bottles back in the 70s that had a redemption price tag on it, 50 cents, 5 cents. You'd take them in and you'd redeem those bottles for their, what they're worth. Well, Jesus redeemed you. He saw the price on your head and he saw the value 
of you of who you are to him and to the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he was willing to date to pay the price to lay down his life to purchase you and, and to bring you back to himself, to redeem you. Holy Spirit is living in you as a, as a temple. You are his temple. And out of your innermost being, rivers of living water flow out of you, just like the temple in heaven. You see, you and I, we are like a mirror representation, an earthly representation of the dwelling place of God in the heavenly realm. And his presence is in you to be flowing out of you from the throne of your heart where Jesus sits and rules and reigns. If he's, if he's there, ruling and reigning in your heart, on the throne, seated, seated on the mercy seat of your heart, where the blood has been sprinkled to make you clean, in his Shekinah glory, the glory of God, the kabod, the weight of his glory has, has come and taken up residence within you. He's releasing his life out of you. You are a blessing. You are a powerful, anointed son or daughter of God. And he's flowing his life through you. He's realigning you with his purpose. He's realigning you right now with his kingdom authority, with his will, with his perfect plan. As you've worshiped, as you've offered your body to him as a living, breathing sacrifice. just very brief but before we even started worshiping I saw Jesus come into the room and he was standing and just moving around um, the whole time that we were worshiping man, it was like he was in a, um, a mist of a cloud and he touched everyone here he's just so beautiful he's so good he's just so good it's a beautiful I felt a stronger presence of Jesus now than I have ever felt in this before so so powerful there was a there was a, a brilliant golden light from an open heaven shining on our church and each one of us just lifting us up just embracing us with its glory and brilliance and, and love it's so immense and so intense just receive receive it just open your hearts I felt, literally felt the hand of Jesus on my heart. He's just weaving himself into my heart tonight. So powerful. So humble. We're so humble. So humble. Completely surrendered. God has so many great things for us. Each one of us has an anointing. This is the time. This is the time. Accept it and use it. Receive your calling use it in this world this is a is a gift that, he, that father chose each one of us each one of us now in this brilliant time that things are happening now on this planet that have never happened before we're a part of that and we are chosen to be a part of that he loves us so deeply and he trusts us he trusts us to take our part and walk and co-labor with Jesus in his plan for us. There is absolutely nothing impossible from third heaven. Absolutely nothing impossible. Just amazing things coming down the road and it's so exciting. There is a shaking and quaking going on and then boom, we're out there in the world changing atmospheres. More and more and more people will be saved 
not even knowing how or why, but they will feel the touch of Jesus on their heart. And it will just melt. It will just melt their hearts. And they will want more and more and more and more. It's exactly what he wants for us. More of him that we worship him. The more we worship, the more we receive. It's not so much for him. It's for us to receive him. And he glories in that. favor real quick if you guys just I'm going to just do this with you guys but if we could just close our eyes and put our hands out I want to ask Barbara just to release what she was seeing to just to declare that to to give you and I opportunity to receive what the Lord was doing in the room is that is that okay so just put your hands out like you're going to receive a gift Jesus came here in this room tonight to touch each one of our hearts and wants you to receive that receive that open your hearts open your hearts open your hearts to him receive more more and more a deeper relationship with Jesus he has touched each one of us with his glory with his faithfulness with his patience with his love so good to us. This is more, deeper, deeper, deeper. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Lord, we just, we just receive that softening of our spirit, of our heart. God, just, you know, maybe just put your hand on your own heart. Or we just, we just say, here's the soil of my heart, God. Soften my heart. Soften my heart for the deposit of the seed that you want to give me tonight. For each person, Lord, the variety of the nourishment and the, the seed and the, the fertilizer, the, the pruning, all of the things that you want to do in the, in the garden of our hearts tonight, Lord. We just we open wide to you and we say, come. And have your way. Soften the soil. Soften the soil in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So, guys, I'm going to just do things a, a little bit different tonight. Um, I feel like I feel like the Lord just is prompting me to take us into the Word, and then, we're, and it's not like a whole lot of it, but to go out of it at the end of the Word for us to respond with a time of, of ministry. And I, what I would like to do, uh, I'll just say it now, I'll just kind of set the, set the plate now, set the table now. Um, <clears throat> during that time, um, we, we wanna receive prophetic input from those who have been through the class, of course. A good majority of you guys have, have gone through our prophetic training class. Um, and the only reason why we say that is, is because there's an etiquette that we want to have in place. We, we want to always minister what we hear the Lord saying. So we, we all can hear the Lord, right? If you didn't know that, well, here's your first, your first gift tonight. I'm going to release that to you. You have the ability to hear the voice of God. Okay, And you can hear the voice of God for yourself, and you can hear his voice for other people. And in different different church streams there's different etiquettes etiquette is that's just what's the right word uh, protocol there you go a, a heart a filter we want the word to come through with a filter we always want it to be encouraging and strengthening and building life-giving um, a, a thing that we we hold on to in this house dear is that we we don't look for dirt in you guys, okay? So if I'm gonna give a prophetic word to Val, or Ike, or Ed and Rachel, anyone, I could go through the names, all the names here. If I was gonna give a word to any one of you, I'm not gonna ask God to show me where your dirt and your issues are at. Does that make sense? Because I don't believe God wants to embarrass you. 
And I don't think he wants to tell me something that's a sin in your life or something that's not healthy so that I can put the spotlight on it in front of everyone here. He doesn't need me to do that for him. What he needs me to do and what he needs our prophetic people who, who hear his voice and, and deliver it, as far as the, the etiquette of this house goes, we want that filter to be the gold. What is the gold that he has to give you? Does that make sense? I hope so. And, and we like to try to keep our prophetic words. I know I said a minute last week, but you know, obviously, if it's a if if the if the juice in the vial that God has given you to deposit is more than a minute's worth, then go for, go further. But try to you know, the 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 key is to keep it with that word and don't add to. That's one of the things that we learned in our prophetic etiquette classes. We hear the word of the Lord and then we release it and we don't need to add to it or explain it for the person. So I know I'm kind of going into a little bit of a etiquette discussion here, but we're going to shift gears. Um, and again, uh, last week I just mentioned on Sundays, as much as I would love to get input from people during during any teaching time, I, I'm going to ask, um, not because I don't value anyone in the room and their question, but I'm gonna just going to ask that hands don't pop up for questions in the middle of, of the, the teaching time, only because it keeps us from getting it done. Because I know you guys have questions, because I, I often have questions too, and I would love to be able to, yeah. There's always opportunity afterwards to ask. And if you really like that interaction time, Friday nights on our class night is like, that's what it's set up for. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, so, so what I want to do is we're going to just kind of shift into a time in the word. We're at the end of the book of Hebrews. So if we could get into the book of Hebrews and knock out half of the 13th chapter, we're going to be reading from the Passion Translation. And I'm just going to ease out of that music. That was much more smooth. See, I'm learning how to fix those little bugs in the, in the slideshow. Guys, gals, this is not a, a performance ever. Like, I just want you to know, as I said at the beginning, our heart's desire is to, is to set up an atmosphere in this room of, of hosting the presence of God. We just want to make room for him to come and... I, I don't have such a spectacular gift that I feel like it just needs to suck up the whole time you guys are here, okay? We all have gifts. We all have functions um, as, as the lead pastors of, of Legacy City Church. Of course, you should expect us to preach the word, right? I would hope so. At least Judy expects that, right, Mom? That's right. Preach the word, son. And then afterwards, I get a text in the middle of the night, good job preaching. And I'm like, well, I'll judge that later when I listen to the podcast. Hey, and if you don't know that there's a podcast and you want to hear uh, voices speaking through that uh, droning background music, we're trying to learn how to fine-tune that. But if you want to go back and listen to any prophetic word that was given, um, all of that's posted, Apple Podcasts, Legacy City Church, Northwest. Feel free. And you know what I do? I put it on one and a half speed that it makes that background music sound really strange. But hey, you get through it twice as fast, almost. Just real quick, if you're looking at Legacy City Church in Northwest, make sure it's ours with a crown on it because there is another Legacy City Church in Federal Way and that is not us. We're not related in any way. Um, they chose their name after we chose ours. So um, just make sure you're going to the right thing. You guys good? Everybody good? So I, I think we can bust through this. If it's Jesus, answer. By all means. <laughs> Lord? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Here we are. Nice and cozy. Just pretend you're in our living room. We're just family time. We're just sitting around the couches. and I know it's not quite as cozy, but... All right, here we go, guys. So I think we're going to get through 
uh, I think it's the first 14 verses. I felt like if we were going to try to do 23 verses of it, it's just not something that I would want to try to do because it takes up a lot more time. So, but we're going to just go into it. So you ready? What do they do in those traditional churches? I'm not going to have you guys do it. They stand up for the reading of the word. You'd be standing for the whole time. But some churches do that. Some churches will declare, you know, they'll, they'll say, take your Bible, hold it up. And they'll say, this is the word of God. And it has the power to change my life and transform who I am and transform my thinking. So just kind of put that on yourself before we dive right on into this. Okay, you ready? Did you put it on? It's the word of God. It comes with power. Okay, here we go. Chapter 13. No matter what, make room in your heart to love every believer and show hospitality to strangers. For they may be angels from God showing up as your guests. Let's just take a quick pause there. I know this would be the perfect time where someone would like to pop their hand up and I just said, but I, I just want to acknowledge the fact that I've heard many testimonies, and so have you guys probably have heard testimonies, of people coming that are strangers, coming across your radar. Maybe you're walking through a city street, and you thought it was a homeless person, and there was something about them, and then you gave them a gift, and then before you knew it, they just disappeared. I don't know. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe you heard stories of people having accidents and a stranger came to the accident scene and helped that person out and then they were gone, never to be seen again. <clears throat> the Bible's telling us we should entertain strangers. Now, I'm not thinking that's saying that you should invite every stranger into your home, okay, because that could be dangerous. I have five children. Well, three of them, no, four of them live at home. One of them doesn't live at home anymore. The other one kind of half the time lives at home. But I have three children, so it would not be wisdom from God for me to just bring people off the street into my home as strangers, hoping that they're an angel. I think you guys get the drift here with this, this passage. But be aware. Let this become like a, a new revelation. Be on the lookout. Angels can disguise themselves as people. They can appear as a man or a woman. That's pretty amazing. We don't know exactly why they do that and what their intention is. But we do know that angels, according to Hebrews chapter 1, when we first began this little study, angels are winds, W-I-N-D-S, winds and flames of fire that have been sent to minister to those who receive salvation or inherit salvation. So they're helpers. They are ministers. They've come to strengthen and impart things. I've heard it said that angels come into gatherings like this and release healing. They bring healing into the room. There could be a healing angel that has come in while we've been worshiping. Maybe you came in with some kind of a sickness or an illness or something um, in your body that needed healing. Maybe test it out right now and see if it's healed. I'm just saying we have a woman that had been at our church for a while, Oksana, and wonderful lady, she came in here with carpal tunnel, carpal tunnel, excuse me, syndrome. Never got prayed for, but at the end of worship, the pain had left and it never came back. So when the presence of the Lord comes into a room, angels are often released into the same place with his Holy Spirit presence. They come riding in on the river of the Lord and they come bringing gifts and, and help and strength. They assist the Lord. They are his butlers, the butlers of heaven. I like that one. Anyway, we're going to go on here, or we'll never get through this. That was just one verse, by golly. Identify with those who are in prison as though you were there suffering with them, and those who are mistreated as if you could feel their pain. So this is the word of God calling us to compassion, you guys. None of us have a lifelong desire to feel pain, to, to really get into the nitty-gritty that someone else is going through. But Jesus, he's the one who is the compassionate God. He is the one who, he understands weakness. He understands sorrow. He is the man of sorrows, acquainted with our grief. When a person is in their deepest, darkest hour, the Lord is with them. He is there. 
He identifies with their sadness. You know, he's a good, the Lord is a good father. And what kind of father would just want to abandon their kid to their misery and wait for them just to figure it out on their own? So if he's in the middle of people's darkest hour, then he's asking us to, to mirror his heart of compassion and to have compassion, to remember those who are locked up in prison, even if they've been there, put in there for the wrong reason, to have compassion, to pray for those who are broken. He's close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Is that good so far? Is that okay? Okay, now here's going to be the tough one, the next verse. It shouldn't be tough, but I'm going to go a little bit into it. Verse 4, honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another. For God will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or married. I could drop the microphone. It's awfully quiet in the room. No, it was quiet in here before we started this. So my thought on, on this verse tonight before I felt like I got clear direction from the Lord was just to go a little bit into what is sexual immorality? I mean, what truly is this? What, and I'm not going to go down the road of, well, okay, this is my checklist. This is what I think is okay, and this is what I don't think is okay. But I'm going to reference everybody back to this verse. Look at what it says. Honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another. So it's, it's well accepted in the Christian world that acceptable, godly, sexual activity. I know, kids, I'm like, Ethan's like grinning over there. He's like, yeah, bring it, Dad. <laughs> Biblical sexuality that is acceptable to God is, is found confined within the marriage covenant. And it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God said in the beginning, you know, he created Adam and Eve, and he brought them together as husband and wife. And he said, what, what, what I have brought together, let no man separate. So it's the heart of God to take us as men and women and partner us up with a lifelong partner that would be sealed with a vow, sealed with a covenant, a, a commitment, where he comes into the middle of that agreement between the husband and wife, and he blesses that union, and he seals it with his promise of his faithfulness over your faithfulness together. So when you look at it from that view and see this as honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another, for God will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or married, we can, we can really just rest in that fact that, that God's acceptable form of sexuality is within the marriage covenant. So I thought, okay, now that might feel a little uncomfortable because there's situations, right? And we could focus on just the sex thing, right? We could just say, man, if God's going to judge sexual immorality, then that must be the thing that he's really, I almost said pissed, but that's the thing he's really ticked off about. Someone else said that word one time here, that P-I. Anyway, he's ticked. We try to be, you know, honorable in this place and use words that aren't too sharp. I want to poke you guys with my tongue. Okay, so there are other things that God is concerned about. It's not just sexual sin. We're going to take a quick rabbit trail to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. So here we go. This one should speak to everyone in the room. So I don't want anyone to ever feel like, am I the only one that fell into a sin that God says he's going to judge? Okay, so take a deep breath, let it out. Here you go. Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. I want to I highlight that word, practice. Okay, practice. If you're a Graham Cook fan, if you like to listen to Graham Cook, the prophet, some of you are like, I don't know who Graham Cook is. It's okay. One of the things Graham Cook likes to tell us is that God is not focused on propping up your dead man. Your old sinful nature is dead, crucified with Christ, dead and buried. 
If you're a Christian, you have received a new life, a new resurrected life. And God's intent is that that is the focus, that you living out the new expression of the new man is what he wants to see. So he celebrates our progress. He doesn't checkmark every time you fall into a habit of the dead man. He calls it the habits. So as I read this little list of 1 Corinthians 6, this is often a list of things that we as Christians could find ourselves stumbling into. And as Graham Cook would say, these are things that are, if they happen in your life as a Christian, these are things that are habits of the old dead man that can be, that can be broken because you have been set free from the power of sin and death. Sin no longer has mastery over you as a Christian. The power of, I'm going to say it again loud and clear. I'm going to declare it over us. The power of sin over every one of us in this room who have the Holy Spirit living in you, that power of sin has been broken. It is, it is disabled. The, the power cord was plugged. Now, if you find yourself doing something that's according to that sinful nature, it's most likely out of a habit or a memory of the old dead man. And Romans tells us to reckon, to consider the, the things of the flesh as dead. Crucify the things of the sinful nature. We, we count it as dead. We, uh, it, it says in Romans to put to death every misdeed of the body through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God wants to help us put to death things, right? He wants, but he wants us not just to, to live a life of constant death and dying and beating ourselves every time we make a mistake. He wants us to, to get free from those things that are of the old sinful nature, right? But he also wants the new things to come in and take their place. So where there has been impurity, he wants to replace that with holiness and purity. Where there has been unrighteousness and disobedience, he wants to bring in his righteousness and obedience to his voice. Where there has been uh, fear, fear of man, he wants to bring in his perfect, confident love. So he wants to exchange. He's not just about pointing out your weaknesses. Kind of like when we do prophetic ministry here. We don't want to call out the dirt. We want to call out what God is calling you and I into. So here we go. Surely you know that people who practice evil can't possess God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. Okay? It's saying we're deceived if we believe that we can, we can possess the kingdom and still have our feet in the, the pools of sin. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry. Okay, I'm not going to go into a discussion of what idolatry is, but whatever you put in your life as an idol before God. Adultery, that's sex outside of your marriage covenant. Sexual perversion, I'm not going to even go there. I think you guys kind of know, you know. Well, you can, you can think of, you know, child molesters, voyeurism, I don't know, whatever. There's, there's things that we could put in there to describe what sexual perversion is. Homosexuality, oh boy, am I going to get banned from YouTube or, well, I'm not on YouTube. Is our podcast going to get taken down because I read the scripture? Homosexuality. Sex between two women or two men. Okay? It's not biblical, biblically acceptable to God. But notice that it's not just the key thing that he highlights. So we're not to go after a, groups of people that are in these different lifestyles and bring fire and condemnation on them. And we're going to see why in just a minute. Okay, so let's re read on here. Fraud. Fraud. Taking that that's not yours. Greed. I got some money, but I want more and more and more and more. I want more possessions. I want more stuff. It, if you feel like you're getting poked a little bit, I'm poking myself just as much, okay? We all have these things that kind of spring up because these are things of the old nature, the old man, that often will try to resurrect themselves in our lives. Drunkenness. Okay? There is freedom in the body of Christ to partake in beverages that are considered alcoholic beverages. Okay? There is freedom. 
The Bible says, do not use your freedom as a license to sin. And do not use your freedom to become drunk. Be not drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's not about having a little wine or a glass of beer or even some bourbon. And hey, I might have been a fan at one time. Maybe I still am. That's for you to guess and figure out, right? <clears throat> but, but the scripture tells me I am not to use my freedom as a stumbling block for other people, right? So I'm not to use my freedom to have an alcoholic beverage and make someone else who has struggled with alcoholism, who has gotten freed from it, to see me partaking. And then I'm like, huh, I'm free. What's your problem? You know, I'm going to do it. It would be wrong for me, and if you're not sure where I'm getting this from, read uh, Romans chapter 14. I think it's Romans 14. Yeah, Romans 14 talks all about eating and drinking and your freedom. No, it's not. It's 1 Corinthians 14. It's either Romans or 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. I, I'm kind of really rabbit trailing right now, and I'm going to just kick up the speed in a minute here, but I don't want to just leave this whole sexual immorality part with everyone being like, oh, that just felt so awkward even though you're already probably feeling awkward. <clears throat> I am not to use my freedom to partake in an alcoholic beverage. And um, as a, my strength, because it's my freedom, so I am strong in my faith. My faith allows me to do it. Someone else's faith may not allow them to do it, right? Because their faith, and it's not like, oh, your faith is weak. Just get strong, you know, do some faith weightlifting. no. The Word of God tells us in that 14th chapter of either Romans or 1 Corinthians, because <laughs> I can't remember, that I, I am not to treat a weaker brother or sister that way whom Christ has died for. If they're weaker in their faith and they don't have the ability to partake in something without it becoming an obstacle or a, a trap for them again, then I am not to put a stumbling block in front of them I am, you and I are called to make clear, free paths for each other and, and other people coming to know Jesus. We don't want to throw anything in front of people to make them trip up and fall down because Jesus paid a high price to redeem them and to win them to himself. Think of the father on the prodigal son road. That prodigal son was running, well, he was coming back home ready to confess to his dad that he blew his inheritance on prostitutes and drunkenness and all that stuff, and he just wanted to come back to the house and be a slave. And the father, which represents God, saw the son from far off, and he's like, quick, servants, angels, go bring him in. Get a robe and a ring. We're going to prepare a feast. If anyone would have come out and thrown logs and hurdles and roadblocks in the way of that son, what do you think the father would have done? Father probably would have, like, I mean, in that context, maybe the, the father would have executed them. I don't know. I mean, he, they could have probably. But if anything, they could be fired or removed from their responsibilities because the father doesn't want any obstacles. He wants his children to come running home. So I want you guys to just sense that even tonight as we're reading through this, the father wants you and I to always come running back to him, always coming to him for freedom and for, for covering. He wants to cover you in his perfection and his righteousness. So drunkenness, verbal abuse, hmm, I kind of think that fits in. I don't think God likes it when he hears his sons and daughters bad-mouthing each other, and so he's telling us to knock it off, right? We should not abuse one another with our words. Or extortion, so that's a pretty hefty list. We could probably find ourselves somewhere in there. I'm sure I can. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, okay? These will not inherit God's kingdom realm. There's hope. You want to know the rest of it? Because that's like, man, we could just close it up now and say, okay, guys, see you next week. <laughs> Go figure it out. Go figure out what to do with that. Sure, I fell into something on the list there. Now what I do, I don't get to possess God's kingdom and I can't inherit his kingdom realm. God doesn't like this stuff. What do I do? There's hope. It's true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles. But now, and I, can we do this? Can you guys just put your hand on your heart again? 
Just listen to the word of God. Just receive it. That's what some of you once lived in those, some of you once lived in those lifestyles. I would almost just say all of us at one time lived in different ways in those lifestyles. But now, you have been purified from sin, made holy, given a perfect standing before God, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of our God. Okay, you can take your hand off your, your heart if you want to. <laughs> I don't know. I, sometimes I think we just need to read that over ourselves. We need to take the truth and put it on us like a, like a healing ointment. God does not want anyone to stay in condemnation. He brings conviction. He brings light to areas of, that's true, whether it's a bad truth or a good truth. He'll bring his light on it, and he wants to give you and I opportunity to correct that course. Okay. 1 Corinthians six seventeen through 18. The one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. Okay, this is the reason why. This is what it all comes down to. You, when you receive Jesus and you become a temple of Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit has become one spirit with you. You are a new creature in Christ. The old is gone and dead and buried, crucified. The new has come. There is a new person living inside of you when Holy Spirit comes and causes you to be born again. So the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. This is why. You must keep running away from sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is external to the body, but immorality involves sinning against your own body. So this is pointing out the fact that the sexual sin, it, it is a place of higher importance in God's agenda of us being free. He wants us free from all sin. But when we allow our body, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit, to be joined together with somebody else outside of that marriage covenant. We're, we're taking his body, his temple. Don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And so we, we are actually sinning against our own body and against the Lord. And it goes on in that chapter. Should I unite the body of Christ with a prostitute? By no means. So, I mean, you can kind of go on with that picture. You are a new creature. You are a part of the body of Christ. You don't want to take the body of Christ and put it someplace that is unholy. We'll just leave it at that. And then if you're really not sure what to do at this point, here's one more glimpse of hope. 1 John 1.9. If we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God wants to forgive every time. If you freely admit your sin when his light uncovers it. The reading of the word is like light. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The, the scriptures show us, it's like a mirror showing us where we're at in life. So. When we see his light uncovering something in us, and he's saying, you, if you freely, if you admit it, you just confess it, just say, okay, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I've done. I want to be forgiven of this. I want to be free from this. It says, God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ. And he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, we did it. We made it through the worst, well, I shouldn't say the worst part, the most difficult part, maybe uncomfortable, maybe not difficult. Maybe you guys are like, why is he being so tiptoey around this? I'm just trying to be honoring and respectful. I don't want anyone to come in and feel like condemned from what we've, re what we've read in the scripture without thorough explanation of where the word of God is coming from and what it means for us to respond Okay, here we go. We're going to continue in Hebrews 12, verse 5. And there's not going to be a whole lot of discussion on my part. So you guys are like, man, he said we were going to have some ministry time. Let's hurry up and get to it. Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have. For you always have God's presence. For 
hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you, never. I will not loosen my grip on your life. That is good news tonight, guys. He's not going to ever let go of you. Oh, no, you never let go through the high and through the low. Ethan used to sing that when he was like two. Matt Redman song. I used to love hearing him sing that as a little toddler. Oh, no, he's, he's never going to let go of you. He's never going to let his grip off of your life. So how can, so we can say with great confidence, because he's not going to ever leave you or forsake you, we can say with great confidence, I know the Lord is for me, and I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. If God is for you, who in all creation could be against you? You've got all of heaven on your, on your side. He's your, he's your back guard, your rear guard. He's your, he's your wraparound protection. He's for you, not against you. Verse 7, don't forget the example of your spiritual leaders who have spoken God's messages to you. Take a close look at how their lives ended. Well, I hope mine isn't going to end soon. But, and then follow their walk of faith. Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. So don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. It is more beautiful to feast on grace and be inwardly strengthened than to be obsessed with dietary rules which in themselves have no lasting benefit. So there's your encouragement. Feast on the grace of God. Feast on the goodness of God. Feast on his mercy and his forgiveness over your life. Run into his presence. Receive from him. He encourages us. In, in Hebrews 12, we took some time and studied it. He says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Come boldly. And it's a throne of grace, not a throne of judgment. Come boldly before the throne of grace to receive. He wants to give mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. So if you need strength, you need grace, you need help, go running to him. You don't have to fix your life up first. He just is like, come as you are. Come running into my presence and let me help you. Let me strengthen you. All right. I hope I read all that, but it's okay. Verse 10. You doing good there, yep. my lady? Okay. Verse 10. We feast on a sacrifice at our spiritual altar. Could have taken communion tonight with this. But those who serve as priests in the old system of worship, the Old Testament temple worship, they have no right to eat of it. For the high priest, back in that form, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the holiest chamber as a sacrifice for sin, and then they burn the bodies of the animals outside of the city. Okay, so they offer the sacrifice, sprinkle the blood, and then they burn the corpse of the animal outside the city gates, basically out where the trash goes. And Jesus, our sin sacrifice, also suffered death outside the city walls to make us holy by his own blood. Our king, our, the God of the universe, took on flesh and blood, became a man, became a sin offering for you and me on a cross, on a brutal wooden cross with spikes driven into his wrists and his feet suffocating to death, a slow, painful death. And not only that, but while he was on the cross, he carried the weight, the, all of the weight of the sins of the whole world, including those who were yet to be born. That's you and me. He carried the weight of our sin in his body on the cross. And he breathed his last breath on that cross saying, it is finished. And that cross was outside the city gates, just like just like garbage. He was, he was taken with the worst of the worst where the criminals were put to death right by the garbage pit, right by the, think of going to the junkyard or, what, or the, the waste facility. That's the type of atmosphere our Lord was put to death in. But he did that for you and me. And the Bible is encouraging us now to go to him. So we must arise and join him outside the religious walls and bear his disgrace. For we have no city here on earth to be our permanent home. For we seek the city that is destined to come. So we no longer offer up a steady stream of blood sacrifices. But through Jesus, we will offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. 
These are the lambs that we offer from the lips that celebrate his name. Why don't we stand up? I just want to, I'm going to read that one more time as we stand up. We're going to just respond to the word. And then after we just take a minute of responding, I just want to invite anyone with prophetic unction tonight um, to come up and just give a word. So we won't dismiss after we close with this part, um, but we want to make opportunity to encourage, to pray for healing if anyone in the room needs physical healing or a breakthrough in your life of any kind. This is the place where we can, we can take some time and pray for one another, and we just open up this front area right here to do that. So does that make sense? You guys good with that? So we're going we're gonna to close with that scripture one more time. We're going to give him the offering. Okay? He does not want blood sacrifices anymore. Okay? Thank God. You don't have to go to a little farm, Barbara, and find a, a cute little white lamb and then bring it to me as the priest of the house. And I'll take a knife and just... No, we don't have to do that. No more blood sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all. He put an end to that blood sacrificial system. Now, what kind of sacrifice do we get to give? We get to give a sacrifice of praise. That's the lamb. Those are the lambs. Those are the precious gifts that he wants to, to have us give to him. So let's do that. As the people of God who celebrate the name of Jesus, let's just take a minute. Let's just give him praise. Let's worship him. Yeah, just where you're at. Just... Just close your eyes. Just tell him what he means to you. Give him the praise that he's worthy of. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for life and health, strength, freedom, Thank you for whom the sun sets free. We're free indeed. Death no longer reigns over us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're with us, that we'll never be alone. We worship you.